Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Eulogy Podcast. I am your host, Pianni Podak On the afternoon of September 23rd, the pod once again visited the New England Conservatory's Jordan Hall to hear an all-Beethoven program by the legendary pianist Russell Sherman. Boston can proudly count Sherman as one of its most thought-provoking and renowned musical personalities. He has given memorable recitals in Boston for decades, as well as taught some of the city's most notable pianists. Few other performers draw virtually the entire faculty of NEC to Jordan Hall, but there were also many children in the audience. Within the hall, there was a distinct feeling of reverential participation in a special event. Brett and Lance, fellow Boston University students, joined me as we reflected on the event, walking along Huntington Avenue and the Prudential Center. As always, stay tuned after the episode for a preview of next week and reveal who performed this week's intro and outro music. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Jordan Hall for the fourth episode of Eulogy Podcast. I'm here with two friends, Brett Kostrevsky and Lance Morrison. Two BU friends, um, musicologists. So buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> Brett, you want to say a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. I-, I could introduce um, you, but yeah. Well, um, yeah, third-year musicology student, focused mainly on 15th, 16th century repertoire, but um, studied conducting once upon a time. So uh, I've spent some time with. This repertoire as well, but not um, not as much with solo piano repertoire as with orchestral and choral repertoire. So okay. Solo piano recitals are always a. I, I think I've only been to two or three even. So oh wow, it's a very different experience. Okay, cool. As opposed to nice. going to you know nice. dozens of maybe over a hundred symphony concerts yeah. in my life. So anyway, so that's we, not performing that factors in, in a little bit. Right. And, yeah. So uh, Lance. Is new to Boston. Yes, this is this is my first year uh, doing my PhD at PU. I just got here three or four weeks ago. Um, my focus so far has mostly been similarly on Renaissance music, uh, 16th century, sacred, Fl- Franco-Flemish stuff. Gotcha. What's your connection to Beethoven? Well, I was going to say, I think the Beethoven uh, really drew me probably more than anyone else to classical music um piano music and as bond- in more than any other composer yeah yeah or at the beethoven's pull on you was stronger than on anybody else oh yes it was stronger <laughs> on me than all of you no 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 not that but certainly uh just his piano music i don't know why but it was one of the first things to strike me yeah and uh so i've not just him but but a lot of the piano repertoire has been um uh, a great part of my life, even though I'm not much of a pianist, it's just always a touchstone for me. And some, I love going to piano recitals. What's your so. first take of the of Mr. Sherman's recital? It's hard. Oh man, I, I'm 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 That's really emotional. Start. That's a good start. Yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm really emotional right now. But I think the arietta always does that to me. Yeah. Um, there were times when I was in and out. There were times <laughs> with his playing sure. where I was like. This is not what I the piece I'm used to hearing. Right. And then there are times when I was just completely abandoned to my emotions and I was completely in it. Yeah. 
So a brief recap of the program. He started with Opus 90 E minor sonata in two movements, and then the Opus 101 sonata in A major, four movements, and then intermission, and then the rarely heard G, G major, Opus 51 number two, uh, Rondo, short little piece, and yeah. then finishing with the one. <laughs> the one, one, one. The one, one, one. The one, 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 one. <laughs> and uh, Opus 111, the last sonata, um, famously featured in, in just about everything. I don't know, from Thomas Mann, there's that one chapter in uh, Dr. Faustus. I don't know, it just comes up in just about everything. It's, it's the one. <laughs> it is the one. Do you guys want to head to the reflecting pool maybe and just camp out over there? Sure. All right, we're going to the Christian Science Reflecting Pool to reflect. Yeah, I, this was my third Russell Sherman recital, huh. and the first one that, well, the, the last time I heard him play Beethoven, it was the Waldstein Sonata, and I think he's particularly known for his Beethoven performances, and it, the first time I heard him, with all the hype, there's just some things that, like, as a conservatory student, and as somebody who's taking weekly piano lessons and obsessing over things that you do as a piano student that are going to upset you about hearing Russell Sherman play. And so every time I hear him play, I'm more and more open to what's going to happen. And especially with the Beethoven, I just feel that more than... It's not even a piano recital necessarily. You're just thinking the piece with him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's not playing the piece. He's just thinking the piece. And not all the notes are there. But what? Okay, what's... The elephant in the room is just... They're, they're, it's not as... These days, piano recitals are, you know, like the Kentucky Derby. It's like you go and you see someone play all the friggin' notes. <laughs> and well and loud and clean and even. And that is not what you hear when you hear Russell Sherman's recitals these days. And, uh... But for all the notes that maybe didn't come out, there was no wrong notes. And I think that that speaks yeah. to the clarity of his vision. Yeah. Um, yeah, there were... Yeah. Uh, I mean, right from the beginning, Opus 90, I was I could not tell if he was voicing things differently than I'd heard before or if notes were missing. Right. It, it was probably a mixture of both. <laughs> um, right, right, right. Um, but... You know, I but I, I felt myself thinking through the music along with him. Yeah. And I, I just want to say with that piece, um, that piece in particular, even if there were some notes missing, I felt like he really captured the, the affect of it great. Um, because he's kind of, I think maybe Beethoven even writes in the manuscript, the head and the heart, to point out the two different moods he's trying to create in that piece. One, one of the five two-movement sonatas. Yeah, yeah, and I totally felt it through that whole way. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought that he captured the emotions perfectly, and, and and maybe my brain was even plugging notes in that weren't being played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Elided hearing or something. <laughs> or, is that the right word? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I think it's a... Uh... I think it's astute. Um, I, I think that's a nice way to think about it. Thinking through the music with him, there's a very, there's a very matter-of-fact way about his presentation, um, and maybe even his playing in a way. The, the, 
one thing that struck me. Are we just gonna? Okay. First of all, we're following the crowd through the street. <laughs> Don't kill me. <laughs> we um, do not have the light. Sorry to cut you off, Brent. No, that's right. We're just uh, it's a Boston light. Yeah. Um. Very immediately struck me is the use of music. It's not memorized. And when he turned the page, when he turned the page, I noticed how heavily marked his right. page was. And ah. in multiple colors, even. He had sure. I saw blue I and I red marks, and, yeah. and um, he's... Well, there was... Okay, so one thing that should be said is Brett and I had the, <laughs> I guess, privilege, bizarre chance, we'll also say, to sit on stage for the concert in beautiful, beautiful Jordan Hall. And we were sitting right next to, to Russell Sherman as he was playing, so we could really see the the books themselves and they were I think from what I could tell and from my playing of these sonatas and remembering where the page turns are I think he was playing out of a Henley edition <laughs> but yeah, had, that uh, being said it was I think he must have like unbounded yeah. and then yeah, maybe rebounded top, in yeah, these little black portfolios that he had just like spiral bound portfolios um, and so when we, they were turning the page Oh, can we get to the reflecting pool this way? I think so. Yeah. It's all under construction. So. When they were turning the page, you could... We could see it very clearly. Yeah. For sure. Um, and then uh, a sonic aspect of that is his, his pedal use. Oh, yeah. And which, yeah. obviously, use of pedal in Beethoven piano sonatas is a contentious issue. Right. Um, for anyone. Everyone has to wrangle with how that works. Right. But he not only the bizarre markings, but right. the mechanical differences yeah, between the of instruments of that time. Were, what did what was he after, and all of that? But um, I, I guess what I didn't get from his use of the pedal tonight was really any concern with any of those questions at all. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a matter more. The easiest way to answer them is to not answer them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, there was a. There would be this very strange effects, and I had the experience almost of blocking out certain sonic results of the way he was pedaling. Like you might have him pedal um, over a diminished seven-one resolution, uh -huh. leaving these weird, uh, these weird um, dissonances just kind of hanging in the air. Yeah, and. No, there's, there's a lot of that, though. Even with what Lance was saying, that like you kind of—it's strange how much you you're it's like selective hearing. Like usually, yeah. Usually, in a you go to a concert, especially us who are all in school. Yeah. We go to a concert and we do the exact opposite mm -hmm. of selective hearing. We try and hear everything mm -hmm. and pick up absolutely everything. But then something about this kind of performance. <laughs> You 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 don't really have a choice. I think if you if you if you were to hear it as uh, we maybe are used to listening to concerts, you would could be very upset. And, <laughs> but if you go along for the ride, then then it's an extreme reward, and you do feel a proximity to Beethoven and what Beethoven was trying to do when he was writing piano pieces. And uh, but it's. I don't know. I mean, you don't want to put a disclaimer before concerts, but <laughs> <laughs> I. But but yeah. I feel 
yeah, as far as you know, getting getting close to Beethoven and whatnot, I feel I feel an interesting. Um, there's how to put this into words, but this um, lack of pedantry or concern with this lack of fussiness. But right. I was also struck by what you said about by Beethoven no or by the playing by the playing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And and this that to me maybe doesn't get me closer to Beethoven because what what is Beethoven for us if not if the was, written notes? Right, right, right. But it does get me closer to what I think is maybe a more realistic understanding of how we play music. And right. how people play music, not not even then, but just like music in general. I mean, you just you play it, right? You play it, you do it. You don't, um, yeah, you don't become a robot that right. converts notes into sound. Yeah, in a, I was just a at a two nights ago. Way. I was at an um, Apergis concert, like contemporary guy, like very avant-garde, and um, it was well. Let's let's just take a minute to figure out where the hell we're going. Because this is extremely need, under construction. So I see exit only, so I think we... Can we go maybe in? Maybe should wrap around. Huh. Okay. But so. this Apergis concert that... You know, it's... Uh, he was composing since the 60s and still composing now. And one of the main things that I felt in that concert is... Where is the expression coming from? And what is that expression? Like, and that's, again, like, somehow Sherman really was able to address the same, con like, questions with, like, what, what am I getting and how am I getting it? <laughs> Which is, I've never really thought about a concert in those terms, but I guess you could, because you can say the same question about going to the grocery store, too. <laughs> what am I getting? It seems kind of reductive. I, I, I think that some of the repertory differences made that clear because when I heard the rondo I heard someone playing you know classical music in yeah, the way the pianists yeah, yeah. are That's a good point. the way the pianists have been trained at least to play the right. classical era in the quality of sound <laughs> yeah, was, in sense of phrasing it was yeah. a different instrument yeah. it was a different pianist uh -huh. and then when you go from that to Opus 111, all of the disjunctures right. in the music right. uh, become so bare. Right. And, and that, to me, maybe is what is most interesting about having sh being in this performance is... I mean, I don't know how it would have been if you didn't know this music. I really wonder what the experience right. would have been like right. because there was something very raw and, and the difficulty of shaping certain phrases and creating certain transitions was so apparent to me right. in a way that you know someone who is completely ha has all of the technical faculties right. to play this music it wouldn't be apparent and right. and sometimes i think that there is i mean i think of opus 106 in beethoven there is like an or the uh grossa fuga like there's sometimes a struggle in that music that uh, it, uh, almost for Beethoven to conceive it that you can reflect <laughs> in your playing right. um, and, and I, I got that aspect of it even when sure. you know, I couldn't hear the music as right, I was right, used right. to yeah. hearing it right. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that points toward um, something in Beethoven's music that lends itself to a certain 
understanding that we have or image that we have right. either of Beethoven's music or of Beethoven the composer. Right. This and, and it's interesting I I hadn't picked up exactly or hadn't been able to form the ideas in my mind about the difference between why the rondo stuck out and that's very that's really helpful to hear you. The shortest piece. Right? Yeah, the, the shortest piece. And most and, innocuous. <laughs> exactly. And as you say, played in a very different way. And I... Obviously, it's very different music from... Especially from 111. And 111... Um, Why don't we walk also, through their Prudential? Sure. Just for fun. In the other... Um, we'll get through this revolving door here. In the other, I heard it in the other sonatas too. Yes. This, his, he lingers in certain ambiguities that Beethoven presents the performer with in terms of sudden, sudden changes in texture or phrasing or, um, or what have you, line, range. And it becomes an opportunity for Sherman, ostensibly, to manipulate those um, in a way that maybe the rondo just didn't lend itself to doing and one can maybe quibble with some of the decisions that Sherman made in those right. gaps in that space but I wonder if that's the, the very space that contributes to the, the very real aura that surrounds Beethoven when we try to talk about Beethoven and why we go to hear Beethoven and <laughs> right. all the things we think we know about Beethoven. Um, that, yeah, that, I mean, without without flattering Beethoven even more, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that with a performance like this, I, at least as a pianist, I think that you hear the separation between the sonic reality and like this, the, the thought of it. And that... So, there, there's some things that he did, even like not even counting some, if you want to call them mishaps. E even without counting those, some of the decisions he made are just things that in piano lessons you just cannot do. <laughs> Bringing certain notes out yeah. in such a dynamic contrast, yeah. and then in the same line, not keeping the same quality of sound, and that's, you know, you just can't do that in a piano lesson, yeah. or it, it, until you are Russell Sherman, you just can't do that, and. <laughs> but he somehow manages it, and that, and he it doesn't bother you, and somehow even me, who's like so OCD about those details, it I, it stop it doesn't bother me, and I always am just so confused when I go back into a practice room after <laughs> hearing a recital like this. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? <laughs> there, yeah, but. there were there were just certain details that were so interesting. Um, I think because it's a variation movement, the the final movement of the Opus 111, there were certain things in how he played each, you know, variation that just stuck out to me. And um, it's like the the famous quote unquote swinging variation. Right. It was like he straightened the swing. It was, the, the, almost it was straight. like straight. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was so Everybody, fascinating. Yeah. I, I was like shocked. I was. Yeah. It, it made the music maybe even more still sounding. It, right. it was. Which it, it's not like that movement needs to sound more still, but uh, that was fascinating to me. I I was telling it's funny that you bring up that variation. I was telling Pierre about an experience I had with 111, hearing it on the radio for the first time, 
And I didn't know the piece. This was a number of years ago. Um, and that variation, as that variation under it took place, I wanted to like smash my radio. <laughs> I wanted to reach the radio and just like I just didn't get it. I I, I I was confused. I thought the performer must be making this up. Like there's no way. I was. Um, it was a really visceral kind of reaction to that. Uh-huh. And, you know, I listened to a number of other recordings and kind of it just became, well, yeah, that's just how it goes. And there's these different interpretations, and et cetera. And then this, maybe <laughs> having had that visceral reaction once upon a time, hearing it in this context, right. as you say, this I mean, it almost like passed without, I, I think I got, we got to the end of that section and I realized, oh, this is, this is that spot where I <laughs> yeah. had such a horrible experience one time, and now I'm just here. We are, and it was well, funny. Maybe for better or for worse, but it was um, it was uh, one of these moments, as you say, of him, of him, kind of bringing this, bringing Sher- it's Sherman's Beethoven. Um, and right, we say right, that right. we say that about everybody. It's right. X's Beethoven, oh, and how oh, couldn't it be? Oh yeah, but, the, all, all throughout. Um, those those initial variations in the theme, there were so many strange choices of rubato and of accentuation that is I, it rubato though? Well, I, it's not. It's uh, not. It, it's, it, I don't know what to call it. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> yeah, right. It's not rubato. I don't know what to call yeah. it. But there were just so many interesting little micro pauses and 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 anticipations and 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 just like strange levels of accentuation that. It really was kind of mangling the music for me, and I was right. thinking, I cannot get into this. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, once yeah. we got past and into the still, um, the still moments, I was in. We're about to walk into the Sheridan Hotel, and I would love to get out of this boomy area. Well, there's a courtyard here. Yeah, let's. Do you want to go in the courtyard? Sure. Okay. Hopefully, we don't set up an Back alarm. to the outdoors. Okay. No alarm was set off. Fantastic. Oh man. Got it. I always forget how loud the Prudential Center is. <sighs> so what what were you uh what about like the biggest discrepancy maybe between or fulfillment of what you expected and what you got <laughs> when you go to an all Beethoven concert? Well, the biggest discrepancy was I thought the program said Opus 110 when I read it before I came. <laughs> Well, that would be a shock. <laughs> and, and I was like, all right. And then when it said 111, I was like, oh, well, I feel completely differently about this concert. They're both great pieces. I just Oh, so different. They, they're very different worlds. So, um, so different. But that, that was the biggest discrepancy. Um, I think that... I think that, honest... I, I think that the biggest sort of disappointments for me were in the A major. Um, I, 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 I don't know why, but I, I think that... So, so I, I, I guess I could have used some of that classical clarity in that piece. <laughs> sure. Um, especially in the last movement. Um, right. Which it, I know it's technically very difficult. Right. So, so maybe that some of it was due to that. And, and, and when a concert like this, it's just like, you know, when we're trying to decide what's Beethoven and what's Sherman, I mean, I'm also trying to decide what is Sherman's vision and what is, what can he achieve of his vision? I don't know. Um, and in that moment, that movement... I was just thinking, I, I, I don't know about this. It's, yeah. it's hard for me to quite tell well, what he's doing here. Because in the A major, I, 
I had this. I was completely with you until you said fourth movement. Yes. I was thinking maybe in the first movement, a little bit more. I could have had a little bit more clarity because it's. It's just that for the first movement of sonata, of a sonata, that's the first movement of the 101 is ridiculous. Oh. But it's just so unassuming yeah. and wandering and nice that it masks how outrageous it is. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think of like all the other first movement sonatas, that, or first movements of a sonata that there are, and for me, like that's because it's so crazy, I think you need to play it in a non-crazy way or a little uh, more restrained That's way. interesting. That's interesting. So, because, th- I don't know, I, well, I had a teacher that once told me that this kind of thing is like double underlining. You don't highlight <laughs> what you've already underlined. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, so that kind of thing. Huh. Um, but but the, the third movement of that, I thought, was extremely powerful. Very powerful. Very powerful. And, uh, yeah. I, I love how he expanded time on that. Like I yeah. could have, I could have sat in that movement. It's so hard to play that one because it's uh. so slow, and there's so many notes that are written out too long. And you're like, <laughs> do I count it out exactly? Do I like shorten it? Do I? What do I do? And you need people like Russell Sherman to just do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's he's one of these interesting. It's one of these interesting interpretations, or one of these. In a way that, in a way that Beethoven gives us the sense of his um, very f- this very fluid connection between what he's imagining as he composes and what he writes on the page. Like Beethoven, maybe masks, like many great composers of any era, masks the craftsmanship uh-huh. required. Um, you know, we talk about this buzzword organic and obviously <laughs> he has to work very hard to achieve any effect that resembles resembles that but Sherman I think is similar in his interpretations that yeah, as you said he match. doesn't miss a single note yeah um, the the yeah, fugue in the, yeah the fugue <laughs> so his ability yeah. to pull the voices out of the fugue in Beethoven's textures um, and I know that's that is something that we're all taught to do in piano lessons to bring out the subject of the fugue. So maybe his choice to do that is not so radical. But his ability to do that in non-fugal passages, to highlight what really is going on in a lot of Beethoven yeah. is melody with well, I'm thinking lots of about decoration. Also the um, first movement of the E minor, I thought there was a lot of things that were bringing, like motivically brought out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that and, were fascinating and that you wouldn't normally do. I think that that that, that choice to do that, um, combined with the way he's marking up his scores, his, his absolute and total precision of notes and where yeah. his fingers land on the keyboard. Yeah. I I think anything that resembles a kind of um, you know affective dis- performance decision. Mm-hmm. Is I'm certain something he has thought about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether whether that's there was nothing phony. Yeah. Whether exactly. you agreed with it or not, there was nothing. There was nothing phony. Yeah. And I would say maybe not even. I wouldn't think any of any of that was. Um, I don't know. In the moment or impulsive. Yeah, either. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's all, yeah, that's I, also a good. Point. I I mean, who knows? Obviously, everything is everything right. is a little bit. But the 
there's so much. Well, he operates with a certain elasticity anyway. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There's so, spontaneity built in. Right. Yeah. But I think it's um, carefully wrought. Yeah. Not spontaneity. frivolous. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I wonder. I, I just. I wonder if there's going to be. Since. When's the next time we're going to hear Russell Sherman play? Hmm. And like, what is he going to play? It's uh, the all of the huge hype that there is when you show up at NEC and people have been lined up for an hour before to hear him play. Yeah. There is definitely this feeling. And there's also a feeling of the school celebrating one of its yeah. like, heroes right. of decades. So it's not your usual piano recital, for sure. No. You guys have any closing thoughts? We've, we've um, said many thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... I definitely cried, so you know that's. I there think that's go. part of a sign of a good performance, yeah. or maybe it's just a sign of my relationship with the music. I don't know, but but I was definitely moved by a lot of Absolutely. it. And, um, and and I will give the E minor a shout out just because he didn't make the piece again. Use the piece was not frivolous. It was not a light two movement work. I right. feel like some people don't take it seriously. Right. Um, and and but yeah, it was a very it, it was a moving concert. I I, I don't want any critiques to come off too strongly exactly. because it, it exactly. was definitely an event and, and it was something where I felt you know in deep touch with the performer and the composer and, and yeah. I mean what more can you ask for there's a certain grace that he has that that there's not there's nothing as radical as it is sometimes you don't get the feeling that he's imposing it on you mm -hmm. and that yeah there's and just this way that in the E minor, the second movement, the E major movement, is so sprawling and so endless, and like actually, like we were saying, Schubertian actually. For yep, me, it's a very it's Schubertian. Schubertian. I would say so. That it, it, but it didn't feel long, and there was a, there was a, a thinking through it, like he was just going through the piece, and it happened to be at the piano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sign off, Brett. Uh. Just yeah, shout out it, to, it, to your hometown. Yeah, right. <laughs> shout out to Pittsburgh, Kansas. <laughs> that's not that's Lance's hometown, <laughs> not Brett's. Um, I, yes, I also I also was moved by the by the concert. I was um, severely affected, not negatively necessarily, by being by our where we were seated. Um, I spent a under lot of time. Yeah, under the I was we definitely literally, warmer. Yeah, it was warm <laughs> up there, and it got warmer yeah. during each half. But I was, um, I was definitely. I wouldn't say distracted, but I, I couldn't take my eyes off his hands. And the, it, relating what we were hearing to what I could see in his hands, his hands have a really interesting way of moving on the piano. And first of all, they, they do shake a lot, mm -hmm. but not. They're not constantly shaking. Right. Some movements he's shaking more than others. Some passages he's yeah, shaking yeah, yeah. more than others. Mm. Obviously, his control over the keys and the depression of the keys is never affected by that. But it was interesting to see that. And also, occasionally, the way he lets his hands kind of fall yeah, below really the like His palms are almost yeah. below... With his fifth finger. Yeah. Huh. His palm would be pressed against the... Uh, the, the front. The yeah. yeah. Huh. And, um, Completely, like at a right angle. But then, like, stuff is happening, you know? And, yep. and it was this... <laughs> You know, Beethoven is being played, and his hands just seem to be in these unbelievable contorted positions. Yeah. Um, all the more striking by just the, the immobility of his of his age, and yeah. um, it was 
so it was fascinating and, and in, in some sense that maybe prevented a more emotional hmm. response to what was going on sonically because I remember at some point in the first sonata I forced myself to like look at the floor and just hear it and the experience changed for a moment it was it it it, it was different and when I looked back at his hands I mean I just decided I'm just gonna watch his hands um and you know so the that I guess we get into this discussion of bodies right Right. bodies and, and sound and um so he's just Where incredible control, from. and I almost got this impression of how much that the, the music and his and the music, um, as he knows it at the piano, lives in his fingertips in a yeah. way that these all of these things, these push and pulls, and the, the the whatever, however he moves his hands around the keys, the way the keys are depressed is. Um, it's not affected, or it's it's never affected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it never gets in the way. It's part of that process. Well, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> you can't pin down, you can't pin down what he was doing. If you yeah. talk about how we went on stage, that's not it. If you talk about how we played, it's not really it. If you talk about what it sounded like, that's somehow it's not even really what it is. There's always yeah. he's. I mean, I'm trying to avoid saying transcendent. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, but that's just what you come to expect from a Russell Sherman concert. So we do very much hope there's another one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. As a young musician, having the privilege to attend performances like the one of Mr. Sherman is invaluable. When, in our youthful ambition, we consider what we will try to make of the world, the act of witnessing the work of great artists like Sherman is humbling as we partake in the great achievements and wisdom that already stand before us. Whatever one makes of Mr. Sherman's performance, I suspect there is a common feeling that something is happening when he plays, something special and that future generations will be lucky if they can capture a similar spirit as we inexorably remove ourselves in time from the composers we perform. Next week, the pod goes to the Longy School of Music's Pickman Hall to hear the Radius Ensemble perform a program of works that are about or originated in a flight from home towards a search for safety. I'm still looking for a guest, so if you're free at 8 p.m. on Saturday, September 29th, let me know. This week's music is performed and written by my good friend Nathan Rising. We started playing music together as far back as middle school, and I'm happy to share two of his tracks entitled The Beginning, which opened the pod, and Kinda Like That. Have a great week.